We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. I've said over and over that you don't get saved by the gospel and then live in Christ by another Christian message. You get saved by the gospel and you live L-I-V-E in Christ by the gospel, right? So we talked about what the gospel is. We explained all of that. We talked about the elements of the gospel, right? Reconciliation to God and his kingdom, um, domination of earth for his kingdom and colonization of the earth as his kingdom. We talked about the main ingredients of the gospel being the love of God in Christ. L-O-G-I-C. Logic, for short, so you remember that easily. Love of God in Christ. The love of God is the ingredient of the gospel. Now we began to explain, um, look at the message of the gospel. What is the message of the gospel? Within that message of the gospel, what is the scope of the message? How much does the message of the gospel entail? How much can somebody... Um, have heard for him or her to have said or to be able to say I have heard the gospel because one cannot be saved until they know the gospel epignosis of the gospel so if any elements of the gospel is left out and the person says I believe the question is what do you believe does that make sense you must understand the fullness of the gospel otherwise what are you what do you believe what makes you a Christian is the fact that you are a believer. That's what they were called, actually. They were not called Christians by the church. They were called Christians by unbelievers. Right? They, they, they referred to themselves as believers or brethren. Right? Because they believe. The question is, what do you believe? If what you believe is faulty, then everything about your growth in that thing is faulty. Everything. It's like a, a child getting disappointed when you grow up and find out that Father Christmas is not real. You know, yeah. Uh, we don't do tooth fairy here. We find out a tooth fairy is not real. It's always your mom that took away your tooth. You know, <laughs> and put a and put a pound under your pillow. You know, so everything about what you build on that is is faulty, right? So it's important to understand the gospel. Then we went on to say before that that the 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 end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. We explained that if the gospel is Christ crucified, which it is. 1 Corinthians 15, and then um, and, and he, he began to preach that after he died, a while after he died, because it took them a while to wrap around what the gospel truly was. So it's important to understand the gospel and understand the gospel correctly. The scope of the message of the gospel. Number one, we said that he was slain from the foundation of the world, right? And number two, that he was born of a woman in due time. And number three, he lived under and <clears throat> fulfilled the law and we explain how he fulfilled the law as a man, as a sacrifice, and as a priest. Which was profound, right? Over the past two weeks. And then today we're considering that he was crucified, died, and was buried. And as we go through this, I'm hoping that some religious notions, some Sunday school notions you've had in your head will just fade away. Is that alright? So open up your hearts and let's read and establish. Now it's beyond dispute. I said last week. There's no dispute that Jesus walked the earth. Okay? None. There's no dispute that Jesus died. There's no dispute that he died by crucifixion. When it was prophesied in Isaiah that he will hang on a tree. When it was said in Deuteronomy that cursed is he who hangs on a tree. The Romans, one, were not yet the world power. And two... Crucifixion was not yet a method of execution. Yes. God is not random. So they had to institute unknowingly, unwittingly. They had to introduce crucifixion to fulfill prophecy. Yeah. When it was prophesied that he will be hung on a tree, there was no crucifixion as a method of execution. Yes, sir. But in due time, in the lead up to Christ, crucifixion was introduced. The flagellium, which is what was used to flog in the Roman culture, had long whips, 
long ends, and every foot, every 10 inches to 12 inches, they tied a knot of metal or bone, donkey bone, every 10 to 12 inches on each length. There was no other way he could have been successfully scourged if they didn't have that weapon. Yes, sir. Meters long. They tied a knot every 10 to 12 inches with metal or bone. And, so they, and they tied the person to a stake so that he wouldn't move. And they threw the flagellum and he wrapped around the person and they pulled. That's how they flogged. Now, because the person was tied, if you're not tied, you would just simply spin around under the force of the flagellum and let yourself loose. But you're tied, as he wrapped around and was pulled, it gorged skin. People criticized um, um, Mel Gibson for Passion of the Christ. He didn't scratch the surface. Passion of the Christ didn't scratch the surface. He was mangled beyond recognition. He was mangled and Isaiah promised that he would be like that. So again, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they both don't chronicle how much Jesus was beaten. You can't catch it from Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. You must go back to Isaiah. 50, 52, 54. We'll see that in this point. So there's no dispute that he was crucified. Everything lined up to fulfill prophecy. After the kind of price Jesus paid. You cannot negotiate with sickness. Your healing account is too fat to allow sickness to torment you. After that kind of price, then somebody now tells you to sow a seed for your healing. That, that's not the spirit of Christ at all. That's not somebody who is born again who missed his way. That's somebody who is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Sow a seed? Do you see what Jesus did? He was so mangled and so messed up that God turned his face away from him. There's no price. There's nothing you want in your life that the cross didn't pay for. Don't let anybody deceive you. I may not be your pastor and it's fine. But don't let anybody. There's nothing left. I've said over and over. Everything God is capable of was put together in Christ. Everything. Acts chapter 2. We don't know what Christ did. And like I said yesterday, at more sessions, that's why we worship lackadaisically. We worship anyhow. We talk anyhow. We live anyhow. We act anyhow. We give anyhow. We behave anyhow. We don't understand the price that was paid for the gift of grace. He was crucified, died and was buried. Acts chapter 2, I'll be very quick from verse 22. Men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, capital M, right? Attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. Look up very quickly. Miracles have never been God's intention of how to deal with man. Miracles have only been an apostolic validation of an assignment. That's for free. Miracles are not how we walk with God. We walk with God on the basis of his word via the finished work of Christ. Believers are not even supposed to be looking for miracles. They're supposed to be working miracles in the place of dispensing the gospel so that they can see that the gospel is power. That's the only reason for miracles. <laughs> because miracles were mostly carried out for unbelievers. And in most cases, they still unbelieved. Even to Jesus. Do you know where in John 11, he, he rose Lazarus from the dead. It was after he rose Lazarus from the dead that they connived to kill him. Yes. A man dead, buried four days, stinking, smelling. Everybody saw that he was risen from the dead. Some of you have not seen this. Some of you might be shocked by this. They planned to kill Jesus. In chapter 12, they planned to kill the Lazarus that yes, was raised yes, from the dead. Yes, yes. Jesus resurrected a dead man, dead for four days. Everybody saw him. In order to silence the ministry of Jesus, they began to plot 
to re-kill Lazarus. Do you want to see it? John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Are we there? Verse 9. Some people had heard. John 12, 9. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he, Jesus, was there. And they came, not for Jesus' sake only. Is that in your Bible? But that they might also see Lazarus. Why am I hearing only my voice? Some of you are surprised. Whom he had raised from the dead. 10. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. <laughs> the, the depth of religion didn't start today. Chief priest though, not unbelievers. Not Gentiles. Chief priests, Caiaphas and company. <laughs> Let us rekill this Lazarus. That has been resurrected by the resurrection and the life. So don't be surprised at the onslaught against truth. They didn't believe. So what was miracles for? Attestation, right? Back to Acts chapter 2. 23 now. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. So really, again, look up. We've talked about this. You can't blame anybody that played any part in the crucifixion of Jesus. They were all stooges in the plan of God. (laughs) All of them. And then, see Caiaphas planning to kill somebody that was was resurrected from the dead. High priest. Chief priest. Plotting to re-kill somebody. No fear. No fear. So he says, by the predetermined purpose and what? Foreknowledge of God. You now took by lawless hands. You have crucified and put to death whom God raised up having lost the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, one of our major anchor scriptures in this series. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he arose on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain to the present at the time of him writing this letter. But some have fallen asleep, which means some are dead. After that he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. So we see that there's no dispute of the facts of his crucifixion. No dispute. Scripture is very clear on it. He died, he died by crucifixion. He died a blameless death. He wasn't guilty. The people realized that he was guiltless. Pilate realized that he was guiltless. The chief priest realized he was guiltless because they paid people to come and give false accounts. All the accounts did not add up. All the accounts did not add up. So let's look at some of the elements of his crucifixion. One, he was scourged. I've already started talking about that, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John don't quite explain that. Let's look at Matthew 27. Let's see what Matthew says. I'm going to be very quick with the scriptures because we don't have time. And I hate saying that because we shouldn't be restricted by time when doing Bible study. We really shouldn't. Honestly, we shouldn't. But that's one reality we need to grow into. Yeah? Where we're just, you have a place where the word is being, and then people just come and go as, as, they, as they're able. You know? You come and go as you're able. We'll get there, you know? In this city. 
will teach the gospel in shifts every day. Teach it. 27, 29. Are we there? Be nice to answer. Yes. Matthew 27, 29. Whew. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him, 30, and took the reed and struck him on the head. They're using sticks. Reed sticks are very tough. It's like bamboo sticks. And beat Jesus on the head. And so look up. You cannot afford to not have a sound mind. His head was mangled to pay for your mind. Did anybody hear what I just said? There were seven streams of blood that Jesus bled. I won't go into that today. Seven different streams. And they all had different significances. His head was beat up. You can't say, I don't know what's happening with my head. You can't. Because the head was mangled. And now he is the head of the church. You don't have a bad head. You don't have a bad head. You can't afford to be twisted in your head. You can't. You, 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 you can't, even if you want to. <laughs> they beat his head. The Gospels don't show us the much. Let's see Isaiah 50. They don't show us what Jesus went through. Isaiah 50, number 6. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. So we see from Isaiah that Jesus' cheeks were beat up. They pulled Jesus' beard. Picture it. So when we declare that he took our shame and gave us his glory, you think we're crazy and you think we're proud. It's because you don't know what he went through for us. You don't know what he went through for. You don't know. If only you knew what he went through for you. You, listen, it is pride to see yourself less than God sees you in Christ. I repeat, it is pride for you to see yourself less than how God sees you in Christ. It's not humility. It's not humility. You are saying that God did not know what he was doing when he decided to bestow upon you the riches that came through Christ's work on the cross. You have just insulted God by saying you are not worthy. Did you hear what I just said? Yes, you just insult God by saying, you are not, I'm not worthy. No, you were not. But he thought you worth dying for. Yes. Yes, yes. And the worth you didn't have before, by his dying, he bestowed upon you in the Father. So you're worthy. You're worthy. We don't, we don't just, I taught this in the message just a while ago. You don't just say, God, to you be the glory. Now you are glory that you give God. When you say God to you be the glory, part of the glory you are saying to you be is you. Because he brought many sons into glory. Isaiah 53. Let's see some more. See what Jesus went through. He was scourged. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 52, just a chapter behind, 12 and 13. Isaiah 52, um, 13. Hmm. 
Are we there? Isaiah 52.13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. You have the King James 7 is in capital S. 14. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage or his appearance was marred more than any man. Therefore, no human being on the earth before, during, and after Jesus has been beaten like him. His visage was marred more than any man. Scripture is not ambiguous about it. You found it? What does it say? So disfigured, one will scarcely know it was the person standing there. No, nobody in the history of humanity even has the capacity in the first place to stand that. Nobody. How much more take it? No, but no human on earth in the history of humanity has been scourged like the man Jesus with one person on his mind. What a savior. What a savior. No, he was so mangled, he was just a mess of bone and tissue. And yet, he kept his life for every single price to be paid before he gave it up. They still didn't kill him. They still don't have the credit of saying we killed Jesus. They don't have the credit. Let me show you something. Matthew 27. We read that earlier. Matthew 27, 29. 27, 29. And when they had retwisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Mark fifteen seventeen. Mark fifteen seventeen. A lot of Bible reading. Because you know when we say some things, it's important for you to sit in your Bible. Mark fifteen seventeen. And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted the crown of thorns, put on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Again, you see in verse 19, they struck him on the head with the reed and spat on him, bowing the knee to worship him. Pretend you didn't see that. We'll come back to it later. But they twisted a crown of thorns and put on his head. Has anybody ever thought what that meant? They twisted a crown of thorns and put on his head. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 17. To, then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb, of the field. There were no thorns in the earth until man fell. Thorns were a consequence of sin. The earth reversed its natural order due to the fall of man. Man had authority over the earth. He had dominion over the earth. He tilled the ground. He ate from the ground. He falls, and as part of earth's curse, thorns were produced. Struggle. Consequence of sin. The prophet lamb is about to be crucified. They need to gather all of the earth's curse. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All of the consequence of the fallout of man from grace was crafted together yes, 
and put on his head. In that instant, the curse on the earth was reversed. Instantly, thorns and thistles shall it give to you because man fell. And here, first Adam, second and last Adam. We, we, we have to fix. Listen, don't let anybody deceive you that you can be under a curse. How much more that you need deliverance for that curse or that you need a seed for that curse or you need to fast for 40 days for that curse. There is no curse upon a believer. Christ became it. He took it. They knit the curse together and crowned him with it. And then he is stretched paying for your sin but also paying for the consequence of your sin. So you know what mercy means? Mercy means you ought to kill me but you killed him. Mercy means you ought to slay me but you slew him. Mercy means you ought to curse me but you cursed him. Mercy means you ought to bruise me, but you bruised him. And because you bruised him, you cannot bruise me. I also will not be reckless because I know how much price he paid. Yes. We don't need to mix law in it. We just need to show you the fullness of the sacrifice of grace. They need to all together. Put on his head. That instant, the prophecy that came forth in Genesis 3 was fulfilled. The curse was reversed. The curse on the earth was reversed. God didn't curse man, yes we know, but God cursed the earth for man's sake. He said, I bring you thorns. There was no thorns. You don't see anywhere where it was called thorns. There was no thorns until man fell. And now that man is restored to Eden, the thorns are over. The thorns are over. So you can live a life at rest, ma. Yes, sir. Yes. You can live a life at rest, sir. He wore the thorns. He took it. 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 And as I've said over and over in this house, you can't be praying to be given birth like Hebrew women. You should be teaching Hebrew women how to give birth. Because Genesis 3 has been retired. Yes, sir. <laughs> or oh, in labor shall you give birth, blah, blah, blah. No, that has been taken care of at the cross. The way you give birth, I've told them in this assembly, the way you give birth is if the nurse is not careful, the baby will come out before they can do anything about it. That's the way we ought to give birth in this place. All of that, the curse is over. It's over. Earth's curse is over. What kind of God will he be? He'll be a terrible businessman to pay for my sins and leave the consequence. He paid for my sin, but took upon himself. Took upon himself. And that was another stream of blood. He removed earth's course. In his death, he was still king. I've, I've shown you Matthew 22, Mark 15. You just saw it now. They bowed down and worshipped him. They were about to kill him. And they were worshipping him. So clearly, they didn't do what they did because they had the power to. But according to Peter in Acts 2, by the preordination and foreknowledge of God, he handed him over to them. Because how are you about to kill somebody and you are worshipping him as God? You just saw it, right? right? Mark 15. They wore him purple robes. Affirmed his royalty. They affirmed his royalty. Pilate affirmed his royalty as well. And I, I talked about that yesterday. Yes. Let's see it. Mark 15. So you can see it in your Bible. Underline it. Highlight it. John 19. John 19. John 19. John 19. John 19. Verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe and they said hail king of the Jews and they struck him with their hands okay 
And let's go up to verse 19. Now, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. Who wrote a title? And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title. No, he didn't end there. Pilate wrote it in three languages. So if you don't understand Jewish, you can understand Latin or Aramaic. Let's go on. Many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. That means it was a very large sign. And it was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate 21, Do not write the king of the Jews, but write, He said, I am the king of the Jews. 22, Pilate answered, What I've written. I've written. In other words, Pilate answers, He is indeed the king of the Jews. Pilate believed. He would not have washed his hands. An angel appeared to his wife. It took a level of conviction for Pilate to give them what they wanted without allowing what they wanted to change his conviction of Christ. Pilate gave them Jesus because they screamed for him. Pilate told them, I find no fault in this man. Pilate brought the worst criminal in history. Not because Pilate, Pilate did not intend to release Barabbas. Let me point it out to you. It, he, he brought the worst option, hoping he would knock some sense into these Jewish guys to go, oh, Barabbas, no, 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 no. Okay, in that case, in that case, give us back Jesus. He raped their daughters. He robbed them. He maimed them. He beat them. He was, he was terrible to them. So when he brought Barabbas, which means son of man, and Jesus, the son of man, and I've taught you in this house that them two were two systems. The system of death and the system of life. The system of the law and the system of grace. And he brings son of man and son of man before them. Jesus, son of man, Barabbas, choose which system are you subscribing to? And you, you have thought, that, oh, right, 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 okay, you know what, yeah, yeah, okay, you know what, yeah. You know, we do, you know give us Jesus. In fact, crucify Barabbas upside down with, with fire on his head. That was what Pilate was counting on. To his utter dismay and shock. They said, release Barabbas to, we have missed him. Yeah, give us Barabbas. He now asks them again, what then do you want me to do with Jesus? He said, crucify him. Pilate knew that he had doubled into a royal matter be above his pay grade. Yes. He knew. This, in capital letters, in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, is the king of the Jews. When Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? What did Jesus respond? He said, you have said it. (laughs) So Pilate endorses his kingship. The soldiers endorse his royalty, his divinity. They endorsed him as king. They endorsed him as God. Because you honor and revere the king, you worship God. Let's proceed. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2.8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God, the Father. Jesus, I'll give you a few more scriptures. Isaiah, Isaiah, write it down if you're writing. Isaiah 45, 22 to 23. Isaiah 45, 22 to 23. Romans 14, 11. Romans 14, 11. 
Romans 14, 11. Revelation 19, 16. All of those affirm the kingship and the royalty of Jesus. Jesus was hung on a tree as part of his crucifixion. As it is written, cursed is he that hangs. Revelation 19, 16. We're going down to Deuteronomy 21. Deuteronomy 21. We're understanding better the crucifixion of Jesus, right? Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, 23, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day. So that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. He who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. God was giving them rules for themselves or so they thought. (laughs) And then Paul comes in Galatians. And tells us that that was a fulfillment of prophecy. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. Um, da, 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 let's, let's go further. Uh, let's just do 13 straight away. Galatians three thirteen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, in our quotes, Deuteronomy 21, 23. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So God was speaking to them and giving them law. But inside the law was Christ hidden. Yes. Yes. Right there, hidden in plain sight. He was telling them how to, if anybody, have, anybody has to die by being hung on a tree or being crucified to a tree, don't let him stay there overnight because that's a curse. <laughs> In plain sight. And Paul tells us that Christ became a curse. He was hung on a tree as it is written. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It gets juicier in verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through what? Faith. Because obviously once the curse was removed, the blessing came in its place. We're not looking for a blessing. We have the blessing once the curse was removed. Let me finish this. His clothes were divided as part of his crucifixion. Matthew 27. Same narrative. 35 to 36. Fulfilling Psalm 22 verse 18. Again, you see Christ hidden in plain sight. In Psalm 22, 18. You know that, right? They, they divided lots about, among themselves. The tunic was one stitch. They didn't want to tear it. So they gambled for it. Right? In fulfillment of prophecy. Time is against us. Psalm 22. I'll probably just stop there. I hate to stop, but I have to. Psalm 22, 18. In fact, let's read 17. You see how he was scourged. Psalm 22 is one of the most messianic psalms, by the way. From 17, I can count all my bones. In fact, let's go for 16. (laughs) For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Messianic prophecy. Speaking of Christ. Because he was a type of Christ. David did no wrong to Saul. Saul wanted him dead. What was at stake between David and Saul? I'm looking for a word. Kingdom. 
What's the gospel about? What did Christ preach? What has always been at stake? When you read your Bible, close your eyes and open your eyes. Close these eyes. Open your eyes. I beg you. Because Christ is always there in plain view. It's in plain view. Saul and, and, and David, kingdom. So David is here speaking as a type of Christ. And he says, they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. Remember, I told you how he just was scourged. 18. They divide my garments among them. If you have a King James or New King James, my is in capital M. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Who was speaking there? Jesus. In David. You know what? Let's go to Matthew 27. Who was speaking? Jesus in David. Matthew 27. So that you see. Thirty-five, Matthew twenty-seven, thirty-five. Then they crucified him, and divided his garments, doing what? Casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Is it in your Bible? Yes. Word for word. Which prophet? Divided it and fulfilled. Prophecy of the prophet. Quoting Psalm 22, verse 18. Nothing about his crucifixion was random. That's why I'm taking time to teach you this thing so you understand it from the redemption perspective. Nothing was random. Nothing was random. Nothing. That it might be fulfilled. So all along in history, God left milestones yes. leading up to the redemption. All along. Hitting in plain view. He spilled all his blood. I wish I could finish this. Can you give me like 10 or 15 more minutes? Yes. He spilled all his blood. Hebrews 10, right? One sacrifice. He poured out all his blood. He was 10, 11 to 15. Once and for all. Let's read it. I like to read the word. Is that all right? Hebrews 10, 11 to 15. Hebrews 10, 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. 12. I love those first three words. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are his footstool. 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. One offering forever. I'll show you one or two more fulfillments in this Crucifixion story. Exodus 12. Exodus 12. Are we there? Please just stay with me. It's worth your time. Are we there? Exodus 12, 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. Can somebody say Passover? No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. 46. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. Numbers chapter 9 verse 12. Verse 12. Are you there? 
Um, let's go back to, to 10 for context. Speak to the children of Israel saying, if any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the, keep the Lord's what? So what's been talked about? Passover still. On the 14th day of the second month at twilight, they may keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs for the 12. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinance of the Passover, they shall keep it. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, and we're reading from verse 19 and 20. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. This will, this will mess somebody up. Because all along you told us about you. But the Lord delivers him from them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. John 19, last scripture. Oh, you thought it was you all along, didn't <laughs> Not one of his bones shall be broken. Word for word, right? John 19. 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he, had, he was already dead, they didn't kill him. They killed the other two guys by breaking their bones. They did not break his legs. I, I, is it in your Bible? Yes. 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. Another stream of blood. And he who has seen, that's John. Yeah? He always referred to himself in third person, in, in his own epistle. Yes, yes. Yeah, always. John the Beloved never said I. He always said the other person, him, or the, the one whom Jesus loved, or something. So it says, and he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. 36, for these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another one that says that you look upon him whom they pierced. So again, John quotes Psalms, quotes Numbers, quotes Exodus, all about Christ, hidden in plain sight. The afflictions of Christ. Not one of his bones shall be broken. That's what qualifies that the prophecy was not about man, but about Christ. Let me show you one more. I'll show you one more. Genesis chapter 1. From verse 1, I'll just read two verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Luke 23. Luke 23. 44. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness all over the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. First Peter chapter 1. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. How have we been born again? Incorruptible seed through the word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word of God, right? And the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. I showed you last week Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. And God said, I explained to you that the setting was the active agent of Jesus. Because he's the word of God. At the first creation, there was darkness. Leading to new life. God said, let there be light. In him was light, John 1. The first thing that qualifies Jesus on the earth in John 1 was light. The first thing God permitted or gave expression in Genesis 1 was light from darkness. So before the manifestation of life, there was darkness. And the light came from which life came. John 1, the Son, the Word. All things were made by Him. In Him was light. That light was life. That light shines in darkness. When was our life purchased? On the cross. Luke 23. What happened when light, life was about to come? There was darkness. First creation, darkness, then light. So the light that was referring to in John chapter 1 was not the light of baby Jesus. Being born. It's not when he was born that he was light. Are you hearing me? It's his finished work on the cross that was light that brought life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So what he did in John 11 of bringing Lazarus to life was to give them a foretaste of what was loading for us. Yes. If, if I can bring Lazarus to life, then I'm, I'm, I'm bringing all of you to life with me. And, and just to set the stage for that light, there was darkness. Christ in Genesis 1, hidden in plain sight. I've almost finished this. I would, I would like to finish it. I really would like to finish it. It's worth your time. I'd like to finish this. He was crucified. Darkness covered the earth. And then light came. Life came. It was his crucifixion that paid the price. Not his life. Please understand that. Not his life. His death. On the cross. It, 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 it bought one more thing for us. It tore the veil. And it gave us access. Hebrews chapter 4. Fourteen. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Sixteen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 10. Just flip a few pages forward. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil 
That is his flesh. So look up. You know, you know in Luke, Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the veil of the temple, the dividing veil was torn in two. What was torn according to Hebrews 10? So all I need for access is the torn flesh. Not Papa. Not prophet. Not offering. All you need for access is his torn flesh. T-O-R-N. His flesh that was torn was the veil. The dividing veil. The veil is torn. Can someone say the veil is torn? torn. Let's end here. He gave up his life. It wasn't taken from him. He won them in John 10. He said, no one is taking my life. I'm, I'm laying it down. I have the power to take it up. I have the power to lay it down. So when he finished and he screamed out there, Tetelestai! It is finished, complete, perfect, nothing remaining to be added. In other words, the sacrifice of Christ is all that was required for humanity. It's finished. My head, they beat it. My cheeks, they pulled it. My beard, they gorged it. My skin, they tore it. My side, they pierced it. By the washing of the water by the word. Let's not even go to what water and blood signified today. Thorns, I wore it. The cross, the curse of the law, I took it. The curse of the earth, I took it. Your sound mind, I paid for it. Your sins, I bled for it. In full. As the man, as the sacrifice, as the priest, I now declare in all authority, it is finished. Because it is finished, I now can commit my spirit to you. Nobody killed Jesus. Nobody killed Jesus. When he was ready and done, he gave up his life. It's complete. He waited until the sin of Kenny registered in it. He waited until all paths iniquity was fully loaded onto it. Before I even sinned one. Psalm 139 says, Psalm 139 says that all the number of my days are before you even before the first one began. So he waited until everything that could ever separate me from him was fully loaded. He paid the price once and for all. And then he said, I'm done here. So there is no more sacrifice, Hebrews says, required for sin. No top-up is required. Yes. I will. No top-up is required. I wish you knew what the cross did. I'm done. I, I've said it last week. A lot of people have not heard the gospel. They've only heard a preacher preach. It is so encompassing. It is so liberating. I told them yesterday that there is no unsaved person in the earth. There's people that do not know that they are saved. And therefore cannot walk in the reality of their salvation. When John screamed in John, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the church. No, no. Sins of the world. That's why Paul says in Romans, How will they know if no one has been sent to them? So we're not trying to go and give them something they don't already have. We're just trying to wake them up to the reality of what they have in Christ. I told them yesterday, I repeat today, God is not mad at any human being. There are people that, that, that's why they are called unbelievers. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is a believer has heard and has believed. An unbeliever has not heard. Not that the unbeliever has not received. He has not heard. He just needs to be informed of what he has received. That he may believe. Believe in what? In what has already been done. God is not saving a believer tomorrow. God is not, he's not a busybody. He's not working every day. He's, he's operating from rest. So you are going out for evangelism. God is not going out for evangelism. Everybody is saved. 
you just need to come to the reality. All we need to inform you is, do you know who he has made you in Christ? Oh, you don't know. So you're living in sin, living in iniquity. You are, you are supposed to be living according to who you are. You don't know. You're righteous. God saved you. Oh, but you know, I'm drinking, I'm addiction. All of that is a result of ignorance of who you are. It's not a punishment for who you are not. I repeat, I've taught you now sin, yeah, the consequence, and you know, it's not, you're just suffering because you do not know, like the prodigal son, you don't know who you are. All along, he was coming back and the father was waiting for him. Yes. So in the heart of the father, the son never left. Where can you go? David says in chapter 139, of, where can I go from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, 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 in hell, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. This is the gospel. It's in your Bible. It is shocking. It is, it is ridiculous. It is senseless. That's why they had to negotiate for it. It was too lofty for them to deal with. It's too lofty. But it's the gospel. So you mean you like this and you like this, as messed up as you are and as sanctimonious as you are, is the blood. Once you understand that, you, it frees you from trying to live to be righteous. Yes, sir. No, 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 no. We don't need it. Romans 11, the righteousness of the Jews, they forgot it because they took their own righteousness and left his righteousness. You take on his. You cannot be righteous enough. If God were judging based on righteousness, the most righteous, righteous person is unrighteous. <laughs> of the righteous people, the most righteous of the righteous people is as, as unrighteous as the least righteous person. But he bestowed it on every man. First Timothy, he says, Paul says, we are talking about Christ, God, who will have all men be saved. And then come to the knowledge of the truth. Epignosis about what they have been saved into. So people are saved, but they are not coming to the knowledge of the truth of their salvation. It's a knowledge problem. It's not a prayer problem. <laughs> it's not a prayer point. I'm, I can, I, I'm, you know, I'm just getting started. <laughs> this is the gospel. And we're not done. <laughs> we're not done. I'm just restraining myself to stop here. So some of you who are already overloaded, I can see smoke coming out of your heads, can go home and go and breathe and go and ruminate and regurgitate and chew this. Listen, greater love has no man than this. That's why no human being has gone through the trauma that Jesus went through. And nobody was left out of it. Nobody. Nobody was left out. Apollos was preaching the gospel and he was preaching with zeal and articulation. But it says, it says of him that he preached as much as he knew. Because he knew up until the baptism of John. He wasn't judged. He was just taken and schooled into Christ. But he was saved. He just didn't know the fullness of his salvation. They didn't lead Apollos to Christ. They just sharpened his gospel. Priscilla and Aquila just took him and sharpened his gospel. Because he preached up until... John. So what was Apollos preaching? You must repent. And he was such a T.D. Jakes in preaching repentance. You know, that's a figure of speech. He was such an orator. By the time he preached repentance, you will come to the altar. You will lie down. And you sing, draw me nearer. And in that, he was good. But he was limited in revelation. But he was saved. He was unskilled in the word. Hebrews 5. So they took him aside and said, let's, let's, let's up this thing. Yeah. Let's brush. Listen, Apollos evidently could speak more eloquently than Paul. Took him and brushed him. He was saved. He just had to come into the knowledge of the truth. If you, if you said, Jesus, I accept your life, come into my life, whatever. I, I believe that you died and you rose. That's the best thing that could ever happen to you. All you need to do is live in the reality of what you confessed. You don't have to feel it. No, you don't have to feel it. You don't have to feel it. You just know it. Have an epignosis. Just know I'm saved. 
God sees me at saves. It is him that does the work. Can we take two minutes, everybody? Two minutes and just pray in the spirit. Everybody, everybody, everybody. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.